We have a young woman that spent two years in receiving treatment after treatment after treatment with absolutely no improvement. It really took a long time to get people to be open to the idea that what we were doing, and myself included, therapy was not working either. Nothing was working, and yet we just kept doing the same thing. And we just reached that point where I was able to convince you know, the physicians and the family, we've got to do something different. And that's where we were able to meet Dr. Mensa, and that's where things began to change. You're listening to Eat for Life, the show that aims to help you identify the root causes of what ails you so you can heal and live the life you are meant for. I'm your host, Sammy G. It's National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, and it pains me that we live in a world where suicide is part of our existence. This month, we share Sarah's story, which consists of a special two-part series with licensed psychologist Dr. Perry Passaro and orthomolecular specialist, Dr. Albert Mensah. In today's episode, we walk you through Sarah's two hospitalizations and two suicide attempts. We share the heartbreaking story of a young woman that spent two years receiving psychiatric treatment with absolutely no improvement. At no time during this two-year hell did anyone think to look at underlying biochemical imbalances and diet as a way to help her nor was any testing done prior to prescribing a wide variety of heavy-duty medications, something that could have saved this young lady many months of pain and heartache. In other words, the system failed Sarah. Perry Passaro, Ph.D., is a licensed psychologist and a diplomate in cognitive therapy. He works with children, families, adolescents, and adults at the Anxiety and Depression Treatment Center in Newport Beach, California. He specializes in the treatment of behavioral disorders, anxiety spectrum disorders, mood disorders, PTSD, and addiction. Dr. Pissarro has been identified as one of the top 10 psychologists in Orange County, California. Dr. Mensa is co-founder of Mensa Medical in Warrenville, Illinois, a clinic that specializes in the treatment of biochemical imbalances and the cognitive and physical disorders caused by those imbalances. Since 2005, Dr. Mensa has treated over 30,000 patients using all-natural, non-pharmaceutical, targeted nutrient therapy and is a world-renowned leader in orthomolecular medicine. His practice focuses on the management and treatment of cognitive disorders such as autism, behavior and learning disorders, eating disorders, bipolar disorder, anxiety syndromes, childhood and adult schizophrenia, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease, as well as family medicine. Dr. Mensa regularly presents at international conferences, trains physicians in advanced nutrient therapy techniques, and is board certified in integrative pediatrics by the American Association of Integrative Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Mensa and Dr. Passaro. I am so excited for this episode. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Samantha. Appreciate it. The opportunity is always. My pleasure. Thank you. Dr. Prasaro, I would love it if you started us off with Sarah's story. How did she present when she first came to you? Sure. She was a, a young woman that was in her early 20s that had been away at college and had uh, an episode of severe depression 
a suicide attempt and a psychiatric hospitalization. She moved back home, was living with her parents, and for two years, she was receiving treatment from a psychiatrist and a psychologist, and multiple medications had been tried before I had seen her, and and there was uh, really no success with those. And as a matter of fact, after two years of therapy, there was another suicide attempt and another psychiatric hospitalization, and that was the point where I met her. Uh, when she first came to me, her suicidal ideation was very high, and as I talked to her a little bit, nothing had really worked. And when I asked her what really brought this on, it was really uh, low grades in college, not performing the way she thought she should. And basically at that point, the, the cognitive triad of depression really kicked in in that she saw herself as flawed, her life as flawed, and her future as damaged and just not going to happen. So that was, that was kind of her state when I first met her. Mm. I bet that just breaks my heart. Thank you. Dr. Mensa. by the time Sarah came to you, what was her chemistry and how do these underlying imbalances correlate to her symptoms and and what we see clinically? The intriguing thing is really, and I'm going to speak in some general senses here because many people really don't understand what the chemical significances are. I think it's, it's really important for people to understand that when we're dealing with the world of psychology or psychiatry, that there's not some mystical phenomenon going on here that is outside of the realm of dysregulation. In some respects, we really have to think about some aspect of ourselves and a major foundational piece of ourselves as a system within a system, within a system, within a system, within a system. So my favorite analogy is I love cars. So I talk about cars a lot. (laughs) Now, if your your brake fluid goes, it means your brakes don't work properly. If your starter button doesn't work, it means that, you know, the car is not going to turn on. If you've got oil problems, your car may sputter. It doesn't mean that you are broken. You're operating a machine that is not functioning very well. The human person is not this that we see, this structural entity. It is an entity within an entity that operates a vehicle. And our thinker, our our mover, our provider, our, our prognosticator, which we call the brain, Actually, many people, depending on your religious affiliation, there's an there's that which animates the entire system. It is the driver of the vehicle, and the brain is indeed a vehicle. So if the parts aren't working well, if systems aren't working well within the structure of the brain, then it's not going to function properly. One way that many people would try to understand this is, you know, somebody who's got a wonderful life, and we've encountered many people who say, well, gosh, you know, I'm financially stable. I've got a wonderful spouse and family, and, and I have no reason, but I still have this anxiety all this time. Well, we check the fluids, we check the brakes, we check the lining and the, the oil of the human condition, and we see that things oftentimes start moving out of alignment. There's not enough, there's too much of some things, not enough of other things, hormones, neurochemicals, neurotransmitters, the starter button for all these systems, which we call methyl, methyl markers, methyl machines, the process of methylation is a huge part of regulating our systems. So when we look at someone like Sarah, we take inventory of what systems are working properly and which systems are not. And those systems can involve chemistries involving what we call pyrrole disorder or methylation issues or copper toxicity. Many people are very fond of looking at metals as 
a uh, is an issue. And they think about metal toxicity and inflammation. But what we're very specific about is looking at very particular metals and how they affect multiple systems. This is one of the difficulties that many practitioners don't really engage in. They think it's just a, a blanket chelation process and you do well. Wrong. That can actually destroy you. It can make you worse. So what we did with Sarah was we really took a very, very targeted approach towards defining what her particular chemical imbalances were and then looking to correct them over the course of time. And the key here for understanding is that if you've never heard of Samantha's podcast before, um, there are chemical imbalances that can lead to, directly lead to anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, ADHD, and even be an underlying consideration for anorexia, for behavior disorders in children. Everything from yeast toxicity and, and creatures in the GI tract, which we feed with all those wonderful carbohydrates that we yes. all eat. Yes. All those things can be factors. So what we did with Sarah was we tested for the particular imbalances that we felt correlated with her particular condition. And then we, we had confirmation. And with that confirmation, now we had a directed and targeted approach to treatment. And so we put together a nutrient protocol to address those imbalances and therefore target those specific problem areas. And then over time, we look at the resolution process and we make adjustments based upon how her system responds. This is very targeted. It's very consistent. It is pretty much the way all of our bodies work, but our chemical imbalances can certainly be quite varied. So we know in general where to look, but then there are the little idiosyncratic pieces that come into play. Everything from diet to exercise to mind-body wellness to outside stressors to a variety of things. We call that epigenetics, how the environment around us affects genetic expression. And mm -hmm. so that's where it was wonderful to be working with Dr. Passaro on a process like this because we're taking care of the mechanics. He's taking care, really, of what many people would call the spiritual aspects of this, helping us to now take even the that which controls, so to speak, the brain, which is the mind, okay? The mind operating within the construct of the brain. I know it's hard for many people to think this, because many people think the same thing, but they're not. The, the mind is greater than the sum of the parts of the brain. What Dr. Passaro will do, and I'm not trying to tell you what you do here, Dr. Passaro, what I'm learning from you is how you help the mind to try to readdress, work around, work through some of the challenges that the brain may be experiencing. And in many ways, what you do is to actually activate other parts of the brain to help compensate. That wonderful thing you did when we were on together during one webinar, where you, you gave us breathing exercises. There really is mind over matter. There is mind over brain. There's mind over many things. And what we're looking at here is a total approach with you, Sammy, as well, where we deal with you know the, the actual nutrition that's being poured into the system. These are all pieces to a much larger puzzle. And so working together in this capacity has been hugely meaningful, how each section, each person, each system is being helped. And we can do this in a coordinated fashion. We certainly did try to open up the, the perspective of what's going on within the mechanism yes. of the brain and the body as well, you know, for, for Sarah. 
that was really powerful. So I appreciate you breaking that down for for our listeners. Uh, and most people know that I am also a patient, and I was I came into this world with the conditions known as undermethylation and copper overload or copper toxicity. With regard to Sarah, Doctor Mensa, what did you uncover with her specific chemistry? Mm-hmm. We uncovered a tendency for stress intolerance. We uncovered a tendency for rapidly cycling mood shifts. We uncovered a tendency for anxiety and depression. And then we uncovered certain susceptibilities that, pending on the environment, can produce a whole host of other symptomatologies, Mm. not just from a mental health perspective, but some challenges that could be physiologic in nature as well. We're very cautious of the crossover effects of biochemical imbalances, everything from immune health challenges with low zinc, for example to inflammation and oxidative stress with copper toxicity. And then with undermethylation, depending on the type of condition, everything from anxiety and depression to cancer can be an issue. Okay. So immune health, immune regulation, along with the GI tract inflammation and stress there and leaky gut, this is all tying together. And so these are all areas that we evaluated, certainly with Sarah. So in essence, am I understanding that within that construct, we've got the stress disorder, pyral disorder that you and I have talked about previously. We also have copper overload and copper toxicity, all of these we've spoken of previously. And then under methylation, when we see that, in addition to zinc deficiency, which is separate from pyral disorder, we paint a picture of an individual that it's hard to do that mind over matter until we start really focusing on the biochemical aspect, so that they can work in synergy with each other. Is that what I'm understanding? Oh, absolutely. So I don't know how many of you saw um, the movie 2012, okay? And uh, here we are in LA, right? And there's a tornado storm being created. And all of a sudden, there are four tornadoes all spinning within the LA area. And that, to me, is like what happens with biochemical imbalances within one mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. We've got a storm of pyrrole disorder. We've got a storm of undermethylation. We've got a storm of copper toxicity. And now they come together to form a super storm that covers the entire continent of the United States of America, mm-hmm. North America, and, and Mexico. And how do you plant a seed of good cognitive health and mental wellness in that storm? You can't. It's very hard. You may get in a little bit of traction, but you don't have long-lasting results. So what do you have to do? You've got to find a way to settle each of those storms down. And then step by step, slowly, you can now introduce wonderful seeds that will bear wonderful fruit in terms of a patient regaining harmony and balance in the system. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. hard to do until those tornadoes are calmed down. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, and I'm, I'm a big fan, a fan of therapy and Dr. Pissarro, the work that you're doing with cognitive behavioral therapy, and we were talking about EMDR and how important these therapies are with regard to patterning and so forth and experiences that we've had and that synergistic effect that happens when we marry them together. And it's just, it's so, it's so wonderful for me to see over the course of all of our working together that when these things come together, the patient really has the opportunity to thrive because 
you're looking at the biochemical underpinning. I'm looking at diet. Dr. Pissarro, you're helping with that cognitive behavioral aspect. And it, it it's a very different model than what we've been used to or what we've been, I want to say, quote, trained in the system that we're a part of. I'm just curious, how did the system fail this young woman? And Dr. Pissarro, I'd really like to start out with you and your thoughts on that, because you have some wonderful things to share in that regard. Sure, absolutely. Thank you. I think, and you know, we, we've certainly hit on this, but I think what happened is there were failures at just so many points along the way, and it's a failure of how we conceptualize things. But here we have a young woman that spent two years in receiving treatment after treatment after treatment with absolutely no improvement. None. Two hospitalizations, two suicide attempts. And when I met her, one of the first questions I ask is, have we even had a really good comprehensive traditional physical? Had not had that. How can you not have that when you're not making any progress? So uh, that was one of the first failures. And so the family absolutely agreed because the thought had never crossed anyone's mind that maybe this is a biochemical problem. A medical problem. And then it turned out at that point that the diagnosis came back being hypercalcemia, hypothyroidism, vitamin D deficiency, and gastric reflux disease, which was very good that those things were found out. But for over a year and a half, there was no change in any of those conditions, even mm-hmm. though they were being actively treated. And when I would ask the prescribing physicians, what's going on here? Why is she not getting better? Why are these things not improving? They were like, I don't really know. Psychiatrically, more and more treatments were being done. She had inpatient treatment, out intensive outpatient treatment, TMS treatment, which is um, uh, a, an, an externally driven magnetic system to try to shock the system out of depression, and then the most intensive ECT treatment and many, many sessions of ECT, and again, no improvement. So these are absolutely places where the system failed all along the way. And it really took a long time to get people to be open to the idea that what we were doing, and myself included, therapy was not working either. Nothing was working, and yet we just kept doing the same thing. And we just reached that point where I was able to uh, convince you know, the physicians and the family, we've got to do something different, and, and that's where we were able to meet Dr. Mensa, and that's where things began to change. Wow. I mean, that's heartbreaking and also inspiring at the same time. Heartbreaking that she had to struggle for that long a period of time. You know, that's personal for me because I I can relate to Sarah a lot and her story and spending years. For me, it was actually over 25 years trying to figure out Of course, I'm a lot older than Sarah, but trying to figure out the root causes of my own depression, my own anxiety. And I myself was also very suicidal at varying points in my life from childhood on up to shortly before I I came to see Dr. Mensa and Dr. Bowman at the Mensa Medical Clinic just outside of Chicago. What is also really sad is that there's often within this construct, within this system, and within this process. There's a lot of dismissal that happens. There's a lot of judgment that happens. I know I experienced that. And then the patient feels shame. And it just kind of sends you down in this dark hole 
farther and farther down and you feel like, gosh, am I ever going to be able to pull myself up and out of this? Um, I mean, another thing that is mind boggling to me is the fact that doctors often recommend all these medications that she was on without any type of testing whatsoever and are often dare I say, unfazed by the horrific side effects. Just quick story. I was eight years old the first time my parents put me on Prozac and it helped a little bit. Obviously, I mean, I was undermethylated. We wouldn't figure that out or I wouldn't figure that out until much later. It did help a little bit, but there were side effects that I didn't like. So I eventually stopped taking it. When I was 17, I was struggling again. I was suicidal. And the doctor that I was seeing at the time put me on Zoloft. And it was pretty horrendous right from the start. You know, just even trying to have this conversation with her and saying, you know, I can't sleep. My anxiety is through the roof. Well, I'll just write you a prescription for a sleep med. No problem. No big deal. And I remember being on the phone with her and trying to explain, you know, I am just suffering every which way. And I'm trying to convey this to you in the best way that I can in my 17-year-old body. And you're just not getting it. And it sent me into deeper depths of, of despair. Do you ever wonder what's going on inside your body? What's happening to make you feel cranky, anxious, depressed, or lethargic? What chemicals might be aggravating your ADHD, OCD, or disordered eating? I'd love to help you get a head start on identifying and addressing the underlying condition that's leading you to feel less than your best. Get started by taking my free life assessment. It takes five minutes or less, and it's a great place to begin understanding what your unique biochemistry might be. After you take my assessment, check out the corresponding cookbook I've created. Match your unique biotype to its cookbook with 25 recipes, including breakfast, lunch, dinner, appetizers, and desserts. You'll find a cookbook for each of the unique biotypes I work with. Zinc deficiency, copper overload, over and under methylation, and pyrrole disorder. You'll also find a meal planner to make this process easy and enjoyable. My recipes are free of grains, gluten, dairy, with the exception of ghee, which can be substituted, refined sugar, nuts, and soy. Remember, to get started, go to eat4.life and click the free assessment tab at the top to start your healing journey today. Dr. Mensa, I would love for you to weigh in on this because you and I have also had some really interesting conversations around the system. I'd love your thoughts. Oh, gosh. You know, I sit back and um, I'm probably hypercritical when it comes to the medical situation. And that's because we're so dumb, really. <laughs> My cousin, who's um, also a physician, she said, you know, the more we learn, the more we realize we don't know. And we were there right on the cusp of having real powerful insight into the human condition. And then a lovely fellow by the name of Dr. Lister was the second man to engage in the idea of outside invaders entering the human body, known as bacteria. Mm -hmm. And once that happened, we started an entire process of moving into the pharmaceutical world to try to kill bacteria. And then we left the old world, which many people will call alchemy, very powerfully related to biochemistry, where we were looking at what's happening internally that's causing symptoms from the outside or toward the outside. And then we started focusing on how to kill outside invaders, and that's where we got stuck. So the entire medical world shifted 
and never went back to looking at what's happening in terms of internal dysregulation. We sit back on our high horses because we're all excited to med school to get to learn to write prescription drugs. Until we get into our third year, we can write prescriptions. And our fourth year as med students, then finally we get our MDs and now we're legal and we can unleash tons and tons of pharmacologic data upon the, the population, thinking that we've done the right thing. Because we're also really taught that we don't know why. We don't know why <laughs> this thing of mental illness exists. And truth be told, mental illness begins where physiologic understanding ends. So what this really means is that we're ignorant. We don't know, so we assume there's no other treatment. And so many of us stop looking. We're very grateful that people like Abram Hoffer and Carl Pfeiffer decided they weren't going to settle for that. And they began to research old school biochemistry. So unfortunately, we're still stuck with certain adages that we were taught in school, which is, well, there are no known studies that mm. uh, indicate that these chemical imbalances actually produce blah, 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 blah. Translation, I don't know about them. I haven't mm. read them. I didn't know they existed. Okay. There are tons of studies out there. In fact, if you go to mainstream research done by the pharmaceutical industry, they're picking up on the actual chemistries that produce problems and they're trying to pharmaceuticalize those chemistries. Come on, what's so hard about this? Where do you go to find a drug? And you go to nature. They're in the Amazon jungle. They're in the rainforest. They're looking for the next most powerful drug. But instead mm -hmm. of taking that natural agent and using it naturally, they're trying to create a prescription around it. But mm -hmm. its very foundation is in chemicals and chemistry that are positive for you. I say this because we've gotten to a habit as physicians where we've forgotten that we're actually scientists and that we're supposed to explore what are these mechanisms that are problematic. Many of us are rooted in being practitioners where we simply do what the governing body of our subdivision, so to speak, the American Academy of blah, 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 says to do. And as a result, we're losing out and we're waiting for other people to make these discoveries finally get it through medical school, which means for most of us, it means it's, it's lost in our lives. So part of this is arrogance. You know, what gall do we have to think that we know so much yes. all we can say is there's no other help for you. When I hear that someone was told by a physician, your child has autism, get used to it. They'll never be better. There's no <laughs> cure. There's no treatment. Ma'am, I'm sorry. You're just depressed. You've got postpartum depression and you went psychotic and here are your drugs. But you'll test and you know, for example, that calcium has effects in the human system. High levels of calcium, low levels of calcium can cause depression or anxiety, a variety of things. But now you just stop there and you say, well, nothing else could possibly create dysregulation. That's absurd. If you've got one living example of what can cause dysregulation, there have to be others. There has to be. That's logical. But we stop, Sammy. And, and that's the real problem with, with medicine. And at every stage of medicine, there are always naysayers and there are always those who are used yes. in high numbers saying that doesn't make sense. That's not really happening. And my favorite example, I won't, I won't speak too long here, but goes back to Dr. Lister again. Dr. Lister at a huge gathering of surgeons at a social event brought up the fact, well, actually he was approached and one of the surgeons said, uh, Lister, old boy. We understand that you think that if we have uh, 
cleaning of our medical instruments in between patients, that they'll live longer because this cleaning of our instruments will help to destroy these things you call them, uh, what do you call these little invisible creatures? Bacteria, the ones that no one has ever seen, the ones that you say claim cause disease and death. Lister was laughed at by the global community because these microscopic things he felt were there but could not yet be seen, boom, nothing. Well, there are a few surgeons who actually listened, like there are a few doctors who now listen to us. And they started cleaning their surgical instruments in between surgeries, and people started living. We saw with, with Dr. Lister a wonderful example of how immensely arrogant the medical profession can be and stubborn. And then the electron microscope was developed. And guess what happened? Now we could see the bacteria that Lister had talked about earlier. So now we've got testing processes that can show us these chemical imbalances that now lead to the conditions that we're talking about. Then we have the subjective side of it. So we've got objective and subjective, and what more could you want? And then if the patient has it done better, we say, okay, well, you know what? Maybe there's a reconditioning here, and we send them to folks like Dr. Passaro. Something else is still going on that we don't know. But now we can admit we don't know what else is going on. This is where we get stuck in medicine. We just kind of say, well, here's the medication. Go see a psychiatrist. Go see a psychologist. You know? And how long has it taken before we actually said, go see Sammy? Your gut is dysregulated. You need better appropriate nutrition. Yes. Only very recently, relatively speaking, have we begun to understand the full ramifications of what's happening in the GI tract. Yes. So yes. fortunately, the world is changing. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, so many have suffered for such a long time. You know. Absolutely. I I appreciate you breaking that down for us uh, and giving us those examples because I think they're important to understand that while we have a very, very long way to go in our healthcare system, things are still so compartmentalized. And I don't think that's always a bad thing, but we have to look at the person as a whole, you know, a holistic approach. And and Dr. Passaro, you know this too, that there's so many things, whether it's trauma, which is, you know, which we put kind of in that epigenetic category. There's the biochemistry, the, the genetic biochemistry that we work with, and so many other factors, including diet and so forth, and lifestyle factors that contribute to how people are reacting and responding. And all of these things need to look be looked at together. And going back to pharmaceuticals, it's interesting to me that prescriptions are so conveniently written without any kind of testing whatsoever, and they have these horrific side effects. Can you share, Dr. Menso, why is testing so important before that physician even picks up a prescription pad? I'm going to share with you one of the most serious aspects of this. There's that segment of the population that's written on the medication profile that says may cause suicide or suicidal ideation in certain teenagers or young people. And in our world, it had been our our past world. The idea was that we really don't know who this is. It's a shot in the dark. But listen, the trial of these medications is far better than you living in a depressed, schizophrenic, bipolar existence. We're just going to take that risk. Well, now we know very clearly it's the overmethylated people, the ones we call low histamine, who actually are the ones who become suicidal. I'll reference somebody that we, while we did not test them, this person was the, the poster boy for what overmethylation looks like. And that was Robin Williams. Mm. Uh, truly one of my favorite, uh, favorite yeah. of all time. Yes. 
uh, a gentle, kind-hearted man with with humor and a smile that just lifted your heart. Here's a man who struggled with bipolar disorder, and we didn't know this for a while, but three weeks after he changed his medication, he killed himself. Mm. Okay. And I sat back and I said, gosh, Robin, why didn't we know we could have tried to reach out, we could have helped you? If we had known his his chemical status, a better regimen of medications could have been chosen and we would still have this wonderful person continuing to grace us with his yes. love and laughter. The other side, when we look at our teenagers, and unfortunately, we had one young man who started to become a patient of ours. We had just seen him. And before we could get his test result back, he committed suicide. Mm, that's heartbreaking. It was, it was terrible. His parents called us and said, you know, Dr. Mensa, we're so sorry. I said, what are you sorry about? That we just didn't get a chance to get him tested soon enough. And I said, you know what? That wasn't your fault. You only found out, you know, recently. And we all did everything we could. You did, we did. But we just couldn't get there in time. So this becomes a ticking time bomb for many situations. We cannot assume that life just continues to go on unimpeded and we just randomly distribute these medications. You know, I want to be clear, many people do need medication. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Some degree or another. We're not saying that they don't, but mm -hmm. we would be smarter about it. Instead of, of a physician wasting his time and reputation with trial and error on 30 different medications, you mm -hmm. test here say, oh, you're undermethylated. Here are the category of meds you can easily do well on. And we're going to try those limited meds and see how mm -hmm. you do it. Mm -hmm. Or you're overmethylated. We can't use this category of medication at all. That takes out 30 meds. Yes. So now we move to this category. So testing not only helps what the alternative world, as we're called, um, would do. It can help mainstream medicine make better yes. decisions. And Absolutely. save a lot of money and trial and error and frustration and, and often drop off because of the failures of these medications with individuals. Yeah, I, I, you know, just further illustrating why a one size fits all approach is so detrimental. And, you know, in functional medicine, we have this little saying, test before you guess. Mm -hmm. And I think you, you illustrated that very well in how we can save someone's life. I mean, Robin Williams being a great example, how if, you know, maybe we had gotten to him early on, if he'd known about us, if he had known about men's medical, you know, the dietary piece and so forth, that that his life may have been saved. Um, it's so important to me to do this episode because I want people to understand the ramifications and the seriousness, whether you're a clinician listening or a patient uh, or, or someone that is listening for a loved one. We want to make sure that we're looking at the whole entire picture of this person. For Sarah, looking at the many different chemistries that she had, Dr. Bowman and I were talking about this the other day when we're talking about copper toxicity. People go online and assume, oh, I've got these symptoms. I must have pyrrole disorder. I'm, I must have copper overload or, you know, I'm, I'm undermethylated. But the truth is that all of these things need to be looked at together because it's often there's multiple chemistries within one patient. In fact, I think it's rare that we see just one biochemical imbalance. I mean, I know that we have them, but more often than not, there's there's a range of them that we see. And that's why this is this is such delicate work. <laughs> and Samantha, you know, I want to say something relative to to what you do. Okay, because I was very skeptical of, of, of not you, but that process of gastric evaluation 
and the ramifications for mental health. But now, thanks to Dr. Bowman and you, far more has been elucidated for me than, than I could have imagined before. Some very important things people don't realize. You can become schizophrenic from a food allergy. Yes. Food yes. sensitivities, food allergies, inflammatory bowel disorders. There's a segment of schizophrenia that is caused directly by that. Mm-hmm. We had a young lady who we've been working with who had bipolar disorder, and she'd done pretty well. And then one day we got a message that she jumped off of a second story balcony, broke her ankles and her legs. Both. Oh, gosh. Oh, and we asked, what on earth happened? And she said, well, the only thing that I can think of that she did differently, said her mother, was she had Moroccan stew. And mm-hmm. Sammy, I don't remember if you tested her or not, but the test came back. She was extremely sensitive to one of the ingredients. Ah, uh, yes, probably a curry or something. Yeah. Yes. And literally caused her to jump. So, you know, it, it's so critical as we're looking at the three of us here. Each one of us represents a very key component to what I would call comprehensive wellness mm-hmm. and comprehensive evaluation. And imagine if we had tons of pockets of groups like us all over assigned to particular patients and taking this group approach. What kind of help people could get and do better with all wheels spinning simultaneously? Sarah's story of how the traditional medical model failed her is powerful. And my hope is that by sharing her story, we can begin to dismantle our current healthcare system that was designed to perpetuate lack of care, denial, and egocentric treatment. Part two of Sarah's story will be available in two weeks. If you are feeling suicidal, please know help is available. I also encourage you to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. You can find Dr. Passaro at anxietyanddepressioncenter.com and Dr. Mensa at mensamedical.com. Don't miss an episode of Eat for Life. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player.